Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 176. John and Wendy talk to John Osted. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you tonight, John? Wendy, I'm well and excited. We're into the month of July and this episode is once again being sponsored by our great friends over at Hewler. Yay! Love being with them and yes. as we've said, first international sponsor, it's, it's a lot of fun and appreciate them being with us. For sure, for sure. Hard to believe, Wendy. It's also that time where we're up against another chat. Well, it happens a lot now that we do them twice a month. <laughs> That's true. And, you know, we, we always talked about other things. We have mentioned several times the idea that we, we love getting the audience, the community, listeners, chat people, whoever's been involved. We love getting them to bring ideas and co-host. And in this case, Sam Jennigus is going to be with us, and we're going to be talking about HR-adjacent folks. You know, we have a lot of folks in our community that are HR adjacent. They're not directly in HR. Maybe they are a vendor or a consultant of some kind. And I'm excited to see what Sam's going to bring as far as questions and uh, put that all together into a chat that we can all learn from each other on. Well, we look forward to seeing everybody there Sunday, the 11th, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Join us, hashtag HR Social Hour. One thing we'll re- remind folks about Make sure that you're using that tag so that when we get to the end, and we usually give it the next day, when Wendy goes in to do the recap, we miss a lot of answers sometimes. Or if you if you reply to me directly after the chat and you don't put either A with whatever the number is, or you just don't put a tag, I'm sorry I don't respond. I'm assuming that's what it's about, but I just I'm not gonna guess. Be sure to use the tag because we really yeah. that's it's really the best way that we can build that recap because I know so many people like to go in and read the timeline of the thing yeah. after it's over. That's the only way we can really do that. This last one, we got a lot of feedback from folks that read it and um, enjoyed it. So uh, be sure you're included. So include the hashtag. Wendy, I'm excited. John and I connected a while back on LinkedIn, had an opportunity to visit a little while back and was really excited to have him be part of this conversation tonight. So Wendy, let's make the introduction and get started. Yes, super excited to welcome John to the show. John Osted is a local government recruiter for the city of Carlsbad. John is a chief petty officer in the Navy Reserves, has his master's in public administration from San Diego State University, the other SDSU. His bachelor's in political science from California State University, San Marcos, earned his certified diversity recruiter certificate, AIRS, and has a passion for helping veterans transition from active duty into civilian workforce. John has been with the city of Carlsbad for nearly five years, has an amazing wife, a three-year-old, and nine chickens. That part just kind of threw me there with the chickens. I love it. (laughs) John, welcome to the show. So excited to have you. First question always, what is in your glass? Well, today, kind of boring. I just got off of work. So uh, I have Topo Chico and uh, lime juice from uh, fresh limes from my lime tree. So that's that's what I'm drinking. (laughs) Sparkling water. I don't think we've anybody name-checked a brand, much less say they grew their own fruit to use in their own drink, Wendy. I think it's fair to say that. Well, all this wonderful sunlight in Southern California, I'd be remiss for not growing something. No, I agree with that. But we did have someone, and I can't think of who it was, but somebody has lemons. Because she sent out a bunch of lemons. That's yeah, right. Yes, lemon. yes. So we have lemon and Heidi Pan- Was it Heidi yeah. Pancake? It wasn't Heidi Pancake. Um, okay. I'll think of it later, I'm sure, and okay. I will shout it out in the middle of the show. 
<laughs> Hopefully, when I'm in the middle of a thought. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, John, again, really appreciate you being with us. And, and I have to ask, you know, how exactly did you get your start in human resources and recruiting? It's, it's kind of like a non-circuitous route. I had a background in, in law enforcement in, in the uh, early 2000s, uh, 2008 to 2012. I I was in law enforcement and I was also in the Navy reserves at the same time. And after a few years of being with the police department, it just wasn't a, a career path that suited me. Um, and I went back to college, graduated, completed my degree, went back into active duty. And as I was in that transition process, uh, getting off of active duty, I uh, reached out to my younger brother who was in HR and, and really started drilling into what he was doing and realized I had been doing a lot of those same things in the military. You know, as I promoted, I took on a lot of administrative duties and was doing a lot of compliance and employee relations types duties and, and recruiting efforts, um, not as like a traditional recruiter, but in terms of just screening people in to, to ensure they had appropriate certificates and clearances to be part of our unit, realized that, you know, HR was, I really enjoyed those aspects of my, my Navy role. And so uh, once I was completely transitioned off of active duty, I, I really started looking for HR career, uh, HR roles that were you know, in local government. You know, since I had had some years in local government, I felt like that would be a, a good suit for my, my skills. And, and sure enough, I got a role with the city of Carlsbad. John, what are some of the unique challenges that you face in recruiting for the public sector? It's interesting uh, recruiting in with such a diverse uh, types of talent. So we have engineers, we have lifeguards, we have senior network engineers, so all over the place. And um, we don't have a, a whole lot of recruiters that are able to specialize in, in one area specifically. So getting hip to all the types of roles and creating those relationships across the organization, learning you know, all of the tiny complexities for each role and the niche niche like aspects of them you know some of them are, are very obscure and some of them are, are pretty general some of those challenges uh, relate to compensation um, at the end of the day uh, when you're hiring a person for an IT role and, and they can make twenty thirty thousand dollars more in the private sector you have to really convince people that stability is is worth that we, we have a lot of great benefits. Uh, we have you know, tuition reimbursement and, and things like that. But you know, stability is, is one of those things and a pension, you know, that's not something you often hear outside of the, mil uh, the military or, or local government. So really highlighting those as, as, as a good trade-off for a possible higher compensation elsewhere is something that is a challenge for us. If I recall, John, I think you mentioned that the pensions offer some unique challenges in that recruiting from other municipalities or localities that that time or that money the monies don't match up yes yeah, certainly like if you if you worked in local government before 2013 and continued on you know to present day and have developed all these excellent skills and you tried to uh and you were recruited by another agency uh that subscribes to the same pension plan you'd be able to carry your pension over but your future rate of accrual in that pension plan would be slightly diminished so you know sometimes you know people take a a slightly less favorable 
pension accrual rate in order to go to another organization. And, and so people have to make that decision is, is this shift to another organization worth the diminished accrual rate? So sometimes it's, that's also a, a complexity. You're right, John. Thank you for bringing that up. As a veteran and now a reservist, I think you really bring a unique perspective when it comes to recruiting fellow veterans and, and those transitioning out of the military. Talk a little bit about what you've been working on, particularly imp- to improve the recruiting process for both sides. You know, we talked a little bit of that a, a little while back. Let's hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, certainly. It's something I've been pretty passionate about since I came to the city of Carlsbad. When veterans apply, they really are excited about showcasing their ability to be creative, uh, flexible, ability to learn. And that results in what I, maybe I'm the only person that has ever said this, like a kitchen sink approach to writing a resume. It's just everything. Here's this five page resume that shows you everything I've done, you know, all of the awards that I've uh, been, that I've earned. And a, a lot of it has nothing to do with the position they're applying for. I look back at one of my, my first resume after leaving active duty and it's embarrassing to look at. It's, it's just, it's so long. It's filled with so many non sequiturs. It's, it's, uh, I'm happy and delighted that I got hired, but I ascribe all of that to networking and none of that to the quality of my resume. When I see these types of resumes and that approach, I immediately understand what's going on. And, uh, oftentimes I'll reach out to the person and go, look, I, I got your resume. You have a lot of excellent skills. The depth and breadth of your experience is impressive, but I, I'm not certain what you're, what job, I know what job you're applying for because I see it tied to the, your application and, and the title of the, your, your everything. But um, there's no indication in here as to what your specialty is, how you've arrived at this type of experience. You know, I'd like to give you a second shot to either rework it or just understand that you won't be moving forward in this recruitment process. And and that's probably not something that a lot of recruiters are able to do. Uh, you know, I'm able to come alongside them as a fellow veteran and go, look, this is how I arrived at this decision and, and why. So I, I really try to give people that extra chance to help feed into that community. I, I volunteer with a group that specifically focuses on teaching veterans how to write resumes, teaches, teaching veterans how to use LinkedIn effectively, how to create a, a profile that's professional for a, a, creating a civilian you know, look that is focused on looking for a civilian job versus everything that they've ever done. I really try to, to help pay it forward at, at, you know, practically in, in that space. Hopefully I can you know, be that translator liaison in, in our team for veterans and then also uh, create cohorts of people that are able to have more effective and impactful resumes and LinkedIn profiles. So on the other side of that, what advice would you give to an HR or recruiting peer that wants to add or improve a military recruiting component to their plan? During grad school, I I was uh, really focused on this question of how can organizations increase veteran recruitment? Because it's something that everybody says that they'd like to do. I don't think there's any organization that says we want to hire less veterans. I think I think it's something everyone says, just like DEI or, or something like that. It's something everyone says that they'd like to do. So one, it's pretty simple and um, it's like, just do it, right? Just if it's something that you're interested in doing, take down your own internal barriers and just do it. But from a practical standpoint, 
there's a program called DOD Skill Bridge. It's pretty remarkable how underutilized this program is. It allows veteran or service members, active duty service members that are within the last six months of their contract to intern with an organization for up to six months. Uh, so there's some planning that has to happen ahead of time. You might need to reach out to that person a year in advance to kind of coordinate those dates when they come into the organization. During that six month or up to six month period that that person is working for your organization, the company pays none of the salary, none of the benefits. Effectively, it's a free hire. The, the military pays them for that entire period of time. They pay their benefits, everything associated. So, so the company has a, a free person or to, to, to work for their company. I think a lot of companies are nervous that military veterans don't have like, translatable or directly relatable job skills. They go, oh, you were, you know, carried an M4 in Iraq or in Afghanistan. Like, how does that relate to being an operations manager for Amazon or anywhere else? Most people in the military aren't, aren't, aren't your trigger pullers. There's Intel analysts. That's my, my trade. Um, there's, there's people that have a variety of skills and a variety of administrative duties that they picked up along the way. And you can bridge that gap of skills by bringing someone into your organization for six months and watch them work for free and work hard and really try to showcase their ability to do the job that they're being chosen to do. And at the end of that six month period, the person has no obligation to work for that company and the company has no obligation to hire that person. They can shake hands and say, thanks for your time. The person working there, the, the veteran can, can get a good letter of recommendation explaining that they were able to do this type of work for six months. And hopefully that's a good resume builder for, for the individual. And I think if more companies were to look to really look into DOD SkillBridge, which I don't work for DOD SkillBridge or, or anything like that. I just have done a lot of research on it. And, and it's something that we're looking at adopting with the city of Carlsbad. It's just a lot of um, components to make sure that we have internally to, to support that program. But um, anyone can sign up for it, assuming that they are you know a safe organization to work for. It's not inherently dangerous. And uh, that's one way to really supercharge bringing veterans into the organization. I think everyone should be a part of it or at least look into it. It's a great program. We're actually looking at implementing it in my workplace. So our intern and fellowship team are working on that right now, which is kind of exciting to watch. That's, that's awesome. And if you have any questions, like I've done, I did my whole research paper on that. I have statistics nice. and data. I surveyed a bunch of veterans um, and uh, I, I have nothing. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, is it too good to be true? And, and um, it's one of those things that isn't. It's, it's not too good to be true. It's, it's truly an incredible program. I know as a listener of the show, you're aware of the fact we started crowdsourcing questions this year from previous guests. And in this case, Michael Vandervoort asked, where do you think we'll be in a year from a work perspective? And what has the pandemic really done to human resources? Where do I think I will be or where do I think HR will be? He said, "Will let, let's say HR." Okay, I that's what I think. That's what Michael meant. We're going to say he did, right, Wendy? Yeah, yeah. Certainly, our show, our show, our rules. It's our show. Yeah, 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 perfect. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. We're not answering your question, but we're going to hijack it. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I think HR is going to have a greater role in holding organizations accountable for step one point one for HR, holding 
organizations accountable for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, I think it's something that organizations have talked about for a long time and maybe thought it would be, oh, it's a great talking point, but I, I think there's going to be some very tangible results in that space in the next year. Yeah, I think that's where HR is going to be in the next year, really holding organizations accountable to commit to diversity, equity, inclusion, and, and belonging. And what do you think the pandemic's done to HR as a function? The pandemic has been a nightmare, but it has done some great things for organizations. There's things that we've had on the menu that have been like, oh, this, that'd be a nice thing to do, but that's like five years down the line. Well, we got that done in five months and sometimes even shorter than that. In an HR perspective, for us with the city of Carlsbad, we've done a lot, we've gone greener in a lot of ways. We've gone away from uh, traveling as much. We've gone away from paper documents in terms of like interview notes and, and, and tracking of a lot of things just all turned into elect- electronic. So it's turned us into this agile department that has gotten years of experience in a very short amount of time. And this is something that we won't forget. We're, we've learned that we can adapt very rapidly and quite frankly, in an adept way, we've, we've done some great things in a very short amount of time. And, and I think that has kind of inspired us that we can make decisions and we can make decisions quickly. And, and those decisions won't be sloppy. They'll be well thought out and expertly initiated. With that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. World where working habits and patterns have been forever changed, feeling connected to the systems, tools, and people that you rely on daily can be increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Imagine a digital launchpad to all of your sites, systems, and applications. A place where no matter where in the world you are, you can communicate, collaborate, share, and feel truly connected to your workplace and colleagues. Say hello to the future of workplace engagement. Say hello to Hula. Hula is a more human way to work and play. It allows you to organize and streamline your work and life inside a beautiful and customizable user experience. The future of work is a simple, beautiful, and smart way to link you to everywhere. Hula makes life and work easier. No more endless clicking and searching for links. It's probably the easiest three clicks you'll ever make to get to the content you need most. It's that simple. Hula is everything you need now in one place. Try Hula for free today at Hula.io. And we are back. John, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the Half Hour Question Connection. First question, what career did you dream of having when you were a child? I wanted to be a veterinarian. I I love animals, had dogs my whole life. I realized very quickly in high school that my math scores were not going to get me into the type of college that would make me a competitive in, in the veterinarian field. And putting dogs to sleep is super depressing. So uh, mostly the math score, but also uh, yeah, wasn't wasn't in my it uh, wasn't in the tea leaves. John, who's one person you gained your network in the last year? You think more people should know? There's two people. Sorry, one of them. It was uh, if you're in the military and you're getting out, there's a, a gentleman named uh, Christopher Thorne, Chris Thorne. He's excellent in this space of helping people transition. He's a retired master chief. Um, he's been out for a few years, but he has made an incredible progress in a very short amount of time. And he's constantly sharing very good information that 
every veteran and every transitioning veteran should be aware of. So um, Chris Thorne is something, someone that everyone should connect with. And the second person is uh, someone who's actually been a guest on this show, uh, Kayla Moncayo. Uh, she's a very powerful thought leader in the HR, um, uh, in HR space. So uh, both of those people, um, everyone should connect with both of them. Sorry, I know you said one, but I couldn't help myself. <laughs> That's okay. That happens on this show too. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. How do you maintain balance? Well, I live pretty close to the beach, so I, I try to get there like once a week, even if it's just driving by with the windows open. Um, going, but I try to. I have a three-year-old and uh, you know a wife, so we're always trying to get there on the weekends. Go for a run. It really helps kind of break up the day and just really appreciate why we pay so much in taxes over here. But it is like, that's why we're here. It's truly the beach. Um, and then uh, on a practical note, therapy, I'm not shy about the idea that therapy is very much important for, for mental health. Um, it's nice to get a third party opinion on, you know, what my shortcomings are or, you know, how I could have dealt with something better or you know, help me to overcome something. So yeah, therapy in the beach. John, you talked a bit about how you're giving back to the veteran community. How about with the HR community? What do you like to do there? If there's ever an opportunity for anyone to reach out to me about HR, I'm always available. I've, I've, I've had countless you know, coffee chats with people that have contacted me in LinkedIn, asking me about HR, uh, you know, college students um, that I've met at job fairs that are interested in getting into HR veterans that are interested in getting into HR um, and, and just, just explaining what my role is specifically, which is a small portion of HR, HR is uh, many facets and then putting them in touch with people that can speak to the other aspects of HR. Uh, so being that person in someone's network that can make those connections, that's generally how I, I get back to the HR community. John, what's your favorite movie? Children of Men. That was one of the questions. Uh, that question is something I, a lot of people uh, loathe to answer because it's like, oh my gosh, that, was that movie is incredible. It's a perfect movie. The cinematography is incredible. There's scenes in that movie that are like seven or eight minutes of uncut footage. It's, it, it, there's a, it's, and I like a movie that makes me feel anxious and depressed and filled with despair. And uh, it movie doesn't make you feel good at the end is a movie that I really enjoy. And, and that movie is, I can't recommend it enough. It's a, it's truly remarkable. Um, and I've watched it probably 15 times if I've seen it once and uh, I've enjoyed it every single second of it. It's, it's an incredible movie. How about the first concert you remember attending? It's probably some garbage high school band <laughs> at, at an abandoned uh, roller rink in Santa Clarita. But uh, the first concert I can remember going to that was like uh, of a notable band. If, if there's any people, anybody here that listens to like heavy metal or hardcore music, uh, as I lay dying, I saw them at, at some venue in Los Angeles. And uh, that was first time I just had my, my socks knocked off. What's the last show you binge watched? Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I think it's better than The Office, which might be sacrilegious. I know The Office is pretty <laughs> bingeable for uh, every, a lot of people, but uh, Curb is, is one of my favorite shows. I, I love Larry David. Seinfeld's great. Curb Your Enthusiasm is incredible. 
John, I appreciate the fact over the years we get Tommy Boy and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and movies with some cheer in them. And what I hear is Children of Men. I like being, de- I like the depression and, and, the, <laughs> yeah. and the tone of it. Uh, <laughs> kudos to you, sir, because we've definitely not heard that before. And that, and uh, then the juxtaposition with uh, Curve Your Enthusiasm. So, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> John, we typically ask about a hobby or a thing that you do that may surprise people. You put it right in your bio. We want to hear more about the chickens. <laughs> we, yes. we need to understand what is yeah. the story with the chickens. Beginning of COVID, there was like a run on eggs and my kid eats eggs. And so I was like trading limes for eggs, this guy that was down the street and like paying a premium, like 15 bucks for a dozen. It was insane. So I was like, let's build a chicken coop and get some chickens. It wasn't cheap to build a chicken coop because as you know, wood is like five times more expensive than it was, uh, you know, but the beginning of COVID. So, uh, by the time February rolled around of this year, I, I bought 10 chickens online and they ship them to you in a box. It's about the size of a shoe box. They were, the chickens were about uh, the si- uh, really tiny, the size of a, of a chick, right? They're chicks. This specific breed grows really quick. Unfortunately, when we bought the 10 chickens, one of them didn't, didn't arrive alive, but uh, all nine of that, the rest of the nine uh, survived and they're all huge and they eat everything. It's not cheaper than buying eggs from the grocery store at the end of the day, at least not yet. Um, but but I'm getting like on average like seven eggs a day already. You know, it's June. I got them in February and I'm getting about seven eggs a day and they eat all the leftovers. My kid is like, I'm not, I'm done eating. It's like, well, I don't feel so bad about it because all of that goes into a big bowl and I feed that to the chickens and they eat, they eat chicken and hot dogs and broccoli and spaghetti <laughs> You know, all the things a three-year-old eats, plus, you know, some pretty expensive organic grain from, from the feed store. So um, it's it's a fun, fun thing. And it was I learned a lot building that chicken coop. My neighbor is a cabinet maker, and he was watching me. He's like, uh, he's he's uh, got a thick accent. He's from Poland. And he's like, you don't know what you're doing, do you? I was like, nope. He's like, let me do this. And so he came over and showed me how to do everything. And uh, I learned a lot, so it, it was fun. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm a chicken farmer, I guess. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's hysterical. I've learned a lot tonight. I didn't know chickens ate everything. And Every- I think it's fair to you, – you're a, self de, you're a self-described chicken farmer. I think you're the first chicken farmer we've had on this show now. There you no, go. No, sure, yes. <laughs> you're checking all the boxes, John. Yes. Awesome. Yes, we are, John. <laughs> well, finally, as you know, we have been, we crowdsource questions for our – Future guests, John, if you could ask the next guest of the podcast any question, what would it be? Uh, this was a difficult question. Uh, I, I, you know, I wanted to subscribe to the parameters presented and not give you two questions. So my question is, if you could start your HR career over, what is one thing you would do differently? It is now in the book and it will be asked very soon. <laughs> John, first off, I'm really glad we connected. It seems like forever ago now on LinkedIn, but I remember just seeing your name over and over and over. And I was like, well, what is this guy's story? We obviously get to know a lot more people on Twitter. So it's nice to know other people are out there watching and seeing what we're doing. You know, again, I appreciate you making time. I appreciate what you're doing to help fellow veterans and, and that community so much. I'm sure that some of our listeners are probably not connected with you. 
they're going to want to now, especially to talk about DOD Skill Bridge and maybe some of the things that you're working on with City of Carlsbad. Best way for them to reach you out there? My my LinkedIn account is definitely the best way to get in touch with me. I, I do have a Twitter, but it's literally just so I can see what comedians are posting. Um, so LinkedIn is, is the best way to get in touch with me. And it's just uh, J-O-N Osted, A-A-S-T-E-D. And I have some acronym soup after my name. So um, if you see another John Osted that doesn't have acronyms after his last name, that's not me. I'm the, the guy with the shaved head and colorful background. <laughs> We will have that some of that in the show notes. Uh, Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you out there? Uh, best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Daily is D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And, of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, you can find me on Twitter at 7 p.m. Eastern time as part of our twice-monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? Once again, thanks to Hewler for sponsoring this episode in the entire month of July for us. As for me, johntherman.com for all things John Thurman. And for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, review, share, follow. Anything and everything you do to help us, we appreciate. International listeners, we'd love to have you as part of our conversation. We're going to continue to reach out to you as we can. But if you are interested in talking to us, send us a note. You know how to get hold of us. Not hard. So find us and let's have those conversations. <laughs> John, again, appreciate you joining us. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. 